Uh, we're going to hear from God's Word now. Ewan's going to uh, read to us. Grab your Bibles. We're in uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through to 9. Thanks, Ewan. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Please pray with me. Father, as we come to your word, we know that um, your word is spiritual. By your spirit, give us spiritual insight that we may to as a clothing company with a football team attached to promote sales. Why do they sell so many shirts? Because they, well at least used to, keep winning all the time. It would all come unstuck for the business model if they concentrated on clothing sales and forgot about winning soccer. It sells the shirts because they win and everyone knows who they are. They need to keep their core business as winning soccer. Now, there's lots of problems with comparing the church to a business model. Lots of problems with doing that. But there is a sense in which, too, the church needs to also ensure that it keeps its core business as its core business. As the Apostle wrote the passage that we're looking at this morning, he knew he was about to be executed by the Emperor Nero. He knew that the ongoing health of the church depended on men like Timothy being able to keep focused on what was important. Paul wrote to Timothy with the executioner's sword hanging over his head. And he wrote it to his successor Timothy to pass on the baton to ensure Timothy stayed focused on the ministry that was given to him. We, as the Church of Jesus Christ, need to hear these words to keep us focused on our core business so that we remain faithful to the calling which the Lord has given us. This morning we're going to focus on the first two verses of that reading. Follow along with me as I read them again so that we burn them into our heads, verses 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who'll be able to teach others also. As we work through these two verses, we're going to look at them from three angles. From the first angle is, Paul wrote these to Timothy, who was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. So this 
verse, these verses are mainly for a pastor. So the rest of you can go home. <laughs> no, only joking. Let's keep going. Yes, while Paul did write them primarily for a pastor, someone like Josh, he also wrote them so the rest of the church can be reading them over the pastor's shoulder. That's why they're in our Bible. So you can know a good pastor from a bad pastor. So you can know a pastor who's doing what the Lord called a pastor to do from a pastor who may be very busy but has gone off the core business. But let me warn you, these verses are not there in the Bible for you to sit there with a checklist just marking Josh saying, yeah, 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 you're doing well, you're not doing well. That would be a real pity if you used it that way to critique Josh. It's there so when people like Josh teach you the Word of God and when he trains you, you can see that he's doing exactly what God called him to do and you can respond by paying attention. He's doing what he should do, I should do what I should do and listen and be trained. Secondly, way in which we listen to God's Word this morning is I'm here representing Queensland Theological College. So this is a bit of a verse to show you what we do as a college. We at QTC do just what every pastor is told to do. But we're sort of specialist pastors, more focused on training and how to do that well. I've chosen this passage so that I can tell you what QTC does. At QTC, in training people for ministry, we stand in a direct line. Paul, Timothy, the next guy, the next guy, the next guy, down to us. 2,000 years later, we may be a bit more formalised with degrees and all that sort of stuff, but our core focus still remains exactly what Paul told Timothy to do. Train people and pass it on. The third angle you need to listen to this passage from is for each and every one of you. What is this verse saying to any Christian who leads any other Christian in any way? Whether you're an elder, a youth leader, a Sunday school teacher, a Bible study leader, someone who just reads the Bible with another person one-on-one. -on -one. These verses give clear verses for the core business of any Christian who leads any other Christian in any way. My prayer is that God, through his word that we're looking at this morning, will remind us and encourage us to be faithful to sticking to our core business. Now let's go to the passage. Open it up again and look at it in front of you. The passage starts fairly forcefully with the first of two commands, be strengthened. Now we all desire to be strong, don't we? None of us has the goal to be weak. I don't think last New Year's Eve, any one of you would have said, I'm gonna be weak this year. It doesn't work like that. But what is strong? Our minds immediately go to muscles and physical strength, like Brad there. I ran into him once while playing touch football. I ended up on the ground and he didn't move. However, there are many different ways to be strong. It's always interesting watching the news coverage 
when they're interviewing on disasters and Australian men are interviewed. I notice when Australian men start to cry, they turn away from the cameras. Australian men have this silly idea that if you're strong, you don't cry. Men from other cultures don't seem to have that idea. They know you can cry and still be strong. But what is strong? I remember when I was at school, I was called weak because I wouldn't get drunk. But the reality is the strong ones are those who can stand up to peer pressure. It's easy to confuse man's ideas of strong with God's ideas of strong. God's idea of strong is not physical with muscles. It's not even an inner strength that comes from within the individual. You know, like the British stiff upper lip, stay calm and carry on. No, that's more stoicism than Christianity. If you look closely at the verse, Paul actually defines what it means by being strong. It's being strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What is this grace in Christ Jesus that strengthens us? A grace is a gift from God that we don't deserve. But what is this gift that is in Christ Jesus that strengthens us? Paul actually has told us in the previous chapter. In chapter two, in 2 Timothy 1, 9 to 11. I'm going to pick it up halfway through verse 8 and read that out. Share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. And now he defines that grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which has now been manifest, that's made clear and obvious, by the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. The grace, the gift that God gives us, is all that God has done for us in Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Notice, it's not being strong in me myself. It's allowing God to strengthen me through all that Jesus has done for me. That is, to be strengthened in the strength that God gives. That is, to be firm in our knowledge and our trust of the gospel. When God calls us to be strengthened, he actually calls us to rely on him and his strength, and to rely on Jesus. He strengthens us through the Spirit working through the Scriptures, bringing them to life, and burning them into us. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, quoting what God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Now, there's a paradox here. God gives the strength, but it's still a command that we are to do something, be strengthened. So although the power and the strength comes from God through the gospel, because it's a command, we have something to do to obey. We need to let God strengthen us. 
we need to place ourselves in a position for him to strengthen us. How do we do that? We spend time feeding on his word. That's what strengthens us. We spend time allowing the gospel truths to sink deep into our minds, into our hearts, and allow the scriptures to shape our will, what we want. We spend time in prayer, calling on the strength of his grace to work through us, through those words, to change us to be like Jesus and to strengthen us to be like him. And we step out in obedience of faith to live out what it says, trusting that the power of the gospel will work through us to put into practice what we've read and been assured is true. Josh, as your minister, the first step in his ministry is to be strengthened in Jesus himself. He can't lead you as, as, as God's people and he can't lead you to be strong in Jesus where he's not been strengthened himself. Part of any minister's job is for himself to spend time in God's word and prayer, to be strengthened by the grace that's in Jesus. We as QTC, Queensland Theological College, our first responsibility is for the lecturers to be strong in God themselves. One of our first responsibilities to our students is to teach them as future ministry workers how they can be strong in the grace that's in Jesus. If we just teach them to fill God's word with their head in their heads, but we don't teach them to trust it and rely on it, we've gone astray as a theological college. The main point of a theological college is not to fill people's heads, it's to allow God's word to transform them and shape them to be who God wants them to be as God's servants. Each of you, as you in some way lead others and point them to Jesus, don't try to do it in your own strength. Be strengthened in the gospel through your own scripture reading first before you try to lead others to be strong in Jesus. In other words, for all of us, step one in being a faithful Christian is to be strengthened in knowing the gospel, in knowing all that God has done for us in Jesus, in believing it and in trusting it and putting it into practice. To be a good elder, the first step is to be strengthened yourself by the gospel. To be a good Bible study leader, the first step is to be strengthened yourself. To be a good youth leader, Sunday school leader, the first step is to be strengthened yourself in the gospel. Anyone who would minister to anyone else in any way, the first step is, you know what I'm going to say, be strengthened yourself. You cannot take others to a position of strength in the Lord where you have not gone yourself. Let's go into verse 2. Paul then issues the second command. Okay, Timothy, you know how to be strengthened in the gospel? Now pass it on to others. I could sit down there while explain this very well. I, there's not much more to say, but I will keep going. Let's read it again. Verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 
Use your imagination for a minute. Imagine this. Last year, you thought you needed to get fit. So you joined the Toowoomba Athletics Club. Now, to your surprise, you found out you actually had a gift for the 100-metre sprint. Now, some of you are going to need more imagination than others, I know that. So you started training, and after a year, you got selected for the Australian 4 by 100 relay team. Well done. There you are, you're at the World Championships. You're lined up. You're the third runner. The gun goes off. The first runner gets a clean break. He's the first into the change zone. Australia's winning. A clean change. Second runner's coming towards you. You're ready. He enters the change zone. You take off. A clean change. You're looking ahead. You can see the fourth runner. And you give it everything you've got. And you beat the Americans. <laughs> you beat the Jamaicans. You beat the British. You're first into the change zone. And you are so excited. You wave the baton in the air in excitement. You throw it up and you catch it. And you do a little victory march. And you hear a cheer at the finish line. And you look up. The Australian fourth runner's not there. He's standing there, angrily looking at you. And the rest of the Australian team's closing in with angry looks on their faces. And like an intelligent Australian, you go, what? <laughs> and then you see it. There it is. It's still in your hand. You didn't pass on the baton. <sighs> Imagine the newspapers next day. Nice legs, shame about the brain. Now, there's a sense in which it doesn't matter how well you're doing personally if you don't pass it on. You've ruined it for the next guy. Now, it really does matter how you, well you do personally, but we spoil all our good work if we don't pass it on. I've heard it said that Christianity could disappear in one generation if no one passed it on. You may be strong, but what about your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your wider family, your friends, your neighbours, your work associates? After we are strong in the gospel, we must pass it on and trust it to others. Now, there's two types of passing on the gospel. Evangelism, passing it on to those who've never heard it before, and discipleship. Passing it on to other believers to strengthen them and build them up so that they can help strengthen others and pass it on to others. 2 Timothy, as a whole letter, contains verses where Paul instructs Timothy to be an evangelist. 2 Timothy 4.5, he straight out says, do the work of an evangelist. But this verse we're looking at, it's focused more on the discipleship type of passing on the gospel. And read it again. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust a faithful man who'll be able to teach others also. And the basic principle is simple. Be strengthened in the gospel yourself, then train others to be strengthened in the gospel and trust the gospel to them. They'll train others who'll pass and others and, and it goes on. Some simple points of clarification. That expression there, faithful men. Now, the underlying Greek translation for men is anthropos, and it means a human as opposed to a god or an animal. It doesn't mean a male as opposed to a female. Let me be clear. 
I'm not being controversial and proposing women's ordination in the Presbyterian Church. This verse has nothing to do with ordination. That's another topic for another day. It's simply about who should be trained to take the word of God to others. Faithful Christians, men and women. Let's just dig a little deeper into faithful men and women. Who do we train and entrust the gospel? It doesn't say entrust it to anyone in the discipleship way, but to reliable people in the NIV, to faithful people in the ESV. What Paul is saying is recognize men and women who know the gospel, who trust it, and teach them the gospel at a deeper level so that they'll be ready then to train others. Again, this is not talking about ordination. It's just talking about training faithful men and women who can train other faithful men and women. Let's focus on that word entrust. It has the idea of both train and entrust. The Jews used it of handing down the teachings of the rabbi from generation to generation. Think of it like the Jedi training his Padawan and entrusting them with the task of carrying on the mission. When Josh comes back from holidays, tell him, he's your Yoda. You are his Padawans. Just as Jesus taught everyone, but he focused on training the faithful ones to carry on the mission. So Josh and the church leaders, they see a faithful person and they train them and they entrust them with ministries, like being an elder, like being a Bible study leader. The list goes on. It could be any ministry. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened in the grace that's in Christ Jesus and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust a faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What Paul's saying here is just biblical common sense. If one man, for example, Josh, does all the ministry, there's only so much he can do in a day, a week, or a year. But if he trains others, and you all train others, and each of you are training others, there are so many more doing the ministry. There's so much more can be done, from Je done for Jesus from generation to generation. Let's sum it all up in, to finish. If you're thinking that the Lord has laid it on your heart to be involved in some ministry in the church in some way, what's the first thing you can do to prepare for that? Be strengthened in the gospel yourself. Read the gospel and know it well yourself. Various Christian ministries require different gifts for different ministries. But the most important thing for any ministry is that you know the gospel and you're strong in the gospel, whatever it is. Secondly, there are so many things that we as individual Christians or we as a church can be doing. We can be feeding the poor, running schools, aged care, and the list goes on. But we must not let the many good things get in the way of the best thing, the core business. There are lots, for example, youth ministry. There are lots of fun, creative things you can do for youth ministry. But you need to make sure those leading the ministry are faithful people 
to train others, the young people, in the gospel. Josh, as your pastor, needs to make sure he spends time and you as a church need to help him ensure he spends time and encourage him to spend his time in the word. Everything we do must be intentional. How are we strengthening ourselves and each other to pass on the word? Lastly, if you think the Lord is laying on your heart to give some dedicated time to extra training for ministry, then Queensland Theological College may be something you should think about. If you're wondering whether this may be for you, I'll be around, you can talk to me later. But more important than that, talk to mature Christians within your own congregation, your elders. They know you better than me. You've got some good, wise people in this congregation. I know that. It's been said, Christianity is only one generation away from extinction. That is true. But what is also true is Christianity is only ever one generation away from enormous growth if we are all strong in the gospel and we all pass it on. Please pray with me. Father, we just pray that you will strengthen us in that gospel. We pray that we will place ourselves in positions to be strengthened by spending time in your word on our own, with others, and being taught by others. And Father, what we have heard taught, what we have read taught, we ask that we will be faithful and entrusting it to others. Amen.